Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you can go ahead and clap for the Lord. He's faithful. He's present. He's so good. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Um, I'm Pastor Raquel. Let me introduce myself. I'm Pastor Raquel, and uh, this morning I have the the privilege, the honor, really, to share with you a message this morning. So I am really excited about it. Thank you, Jesus. Hold on. Now, I'm not the tallest person. I'm just 5'9", and I'm wearing, like, I think one or two-inch heels, so I'm kind of, like, bending down a little bit. But, um, yeah, this morning, we, uh, I am going to be sharing a message that's dear and near to my heart. Uh, I've been uh, asking the Lord for his heart, and he's given it. And so um, I just want to first start off and give honor where honors due and just say Thank you to our pastors, Pastor John and Kaya, for just their leadership. Uh, Pastor John and Kaya, thank you for your leadership. Uh, stepping into your shoes a little bit, uh, some pretty big shoes. And, um, and I'm just so thankful for the anointing that is on your lives and how you guys pour in to the leadership and um, our, our church family just so generously. So thank you for being uh, such great shepherds. And we miss you. We love you. And uh, we feel your absence. But we know that you're with us in spirit. Amen. And then next, I just want to say to my husband, Donald, thank you for being my safe place. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Well, uh, we are continuing on in the gospel-centered uh, life series. If you haven't been following along with us, no worries. You can get caught up. You can simply go on to YouTube or uh, to our website, and you can get caught up and um, uh, uh, follow us and know what it is that the gospel-centered life series is all about. Um, it's been a really great series. And so I'm just going to do my best real quick and do like a real quick recap, okay? So here we go. So Pastor Jenny started this off. She did the kickoff. And she started us off with uh, what is the gospel, right? What is the gospel? And she shared how it's keeping Jesus at the center of our lives. And then lesson two, we had pretending and performing uh, how uh, we are coming to the realization of our sin and how pretending minimizes our sin and performing minimizes God's holiness. This is some good stuff, guys. Lesson three was with our mom, Atira. She talked about believing the gospel, the importance of believing, and um, how she talked about sonship. Yeah. Sons and daughters are believers. We believe what the word says and uh, that it, this belief determines our language and how we live. Yeah. 
Lesson four was delight, not duty. Uh, Pastor Danny talked about the biblical relationship between the law and the gospel and how the Holy Spirit causes us to delight in God's law. And he gives us the power to obey it. Lesson, you guys are doing great, okay? You guys are doing really good. Great job. Uh, lesson five was repentance. Pastor JR said that the proper response to, repent, to, uh, response to the gospel is repentance. Lesson six, the great void, heart idolatry. Pastor Donald had a question. He says, what do I love, trust, or fear more than God? Hmm. And then this statement, you know it's an idol if you think you could never be happy without it. That's real. Lesson seven, the mission. We're almost there. The biggest obstacle to a gospel-centered life is self-centered living. Let me say that again. The biggest obstacle to a gospel-centered life is self-centered living. God's grace is the driving force for all change in our life. It's not something that we can do in and of ourselves. It's literally God's grace that gives us the power to live the way that he's called us to. And we're all caught up. Great job. So then we had Dr. John. Well, clap or raise your hand. If you were here, you heard Dr. John, right? Dr. John came last Sunday, and he gave such a great word during our growth group celebrations. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, he gave such a great word. He, he so I'm just going to share my takeaway from it. Um, he talked about community. And one of the things he said was, if you're serious about growth and maturing, you can't do it by yourself. It happens in community. A spiritual community has different principles than our earthly families. You guys get that? Our, our, our spiritual community has different principles than our earthly families. And so, if you've ever wondered, how do we learn to forgive biblically? How do we learn to forgive biblically? You're in the right place. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're in the right place. Amen. So, we're on lesson eight. And it's entitled, The Gospel Empowers Us to Forgive. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are here with us, Lord. God, I just want to say, lead us today. Let our hearts, God, be good ground. Let our hearts be open to receive what it is that you want to say to each and every one of us. God, you said that you formed us that you knew us in our mother's womb. And so, Lord, I pray that each of us would authentically hear from you this morning. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Heal where we need to be healed. Free us where we need to be free. And God, I thank you right now, Lord, that your truth would come in our hearts, God, and that we would receive it and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's this article, and it's called The Perils of Unforgiveness. The perils meaning the, 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 pit, the pitfalls, the, uh, the jeopardy, the dangers of unforgiveness. And it reads, Anna, who entered a funeral home, sorry, Anna entered a funeral home and cut off the breast, toe, locks of hair, 
and slashed the forehead of a dead lady named Robin, who died of natural causes at the age of 38. Robin allegedly had an affair with Anna's husband. To get revenge, Anna cut up Robin's dead corpse and took her shoes on the way out. As a result, Anna will serve 16 years in prison on a total of five counts, including seven years in prison for first-degree burglary and five years for unlawfully removing a body part from someone who is deceased. How crazy is that story? Crazy. She was so enraged that she sought revenge by cutting up a dead person's body. The, the person's dead. They, they can't feel anything. They can't feel anything. They're dead. But in the same way, reading this article, I, I could feel for Anna because it showed me she was really hurt. She had some serious wounds in her. And it was that hurt that she had, that anger, that betrayal that she had that had caused her to go and do such a horrific act. And it only punished her for 16 years in prison. And I see this story as a perfect illustration of what unforgiveness does to a person. When we harbor anger and bitterness and refuse to forgive, we want to hurt the other person so bad by cutting them up with our thoughts and our actions, only to find that they're dead and untouched by them. And as a result, we punish ourselves and become imprisoned for years. For years. For years. Like, you go on, you pass away, and your children. For years. Forgiveness, forgiving people who harm us is one of the most difficult things to do in life. The deeper the wound, the more challenging it is. It's not easy to forgive. But the thing is, the gospel, it shows us the power. It shows us that in our relationship, in our actions, when we forgive others biblically, we can do it. Because it's with God. Isaiah 59.2 says, It's your sins that have cut, off, have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10 through 10, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheating people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. None of them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this list, I could, I could get a little, maybe a little, uh, uh, I don't know, in comparison and think, okay, well, a lot of this stuff I don't, I don't do. But the thing is, is that this was written to people at a church. Paul, the apostle Paul, he wrote this to people in the church. People who were practicing this stuff in their church. And it still applies today. 
Forgiveness is one area where the gospel must go to work in our lives. The gospel goes to work in us. It's not something that I can do on my own. It's not something that I can go to someone about and they can work out for me. The gospel does the work itself in my life. My first point is God move first. If you guys are note takers, go ahead and take notes. um, Or you can go back and watch it on uh, our website. But I have just three points. This message is not... uh, difficult it's pretty simple it's pretty simple god moved first romans 5 8 but god showed his great love for us by sending christ to die for us while we were still sinners by moving towards us god invites and enables us to move towards him the the song that isabella was singing this morning was a perfect song to sing Because it talked about how God's reckless love, how we were still foes, how his love fought for us. Like a foe is somebody who who you see as an enemy. A foe is somebody that you see as, 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 ooh, I can't hear hear their name. I can't talk about them. If they're going to be there, I'm not going to be there. But God, he demonstrates his great love. And that demonstration is what empowers us to see his heart for forgiveness. This is where forgiveness started when God moved first. How many people have heard about the unforgiving servant? Anybody? Matthew 18, 21. Track with me. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It says, then Peter came to him. And asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Jesus said, uh, uh, Peter said, seven times. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70, 70 times seven. And he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought to to him who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master filled with pity for him. And he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and instantly demanded payment. And this fellow servant fell to the ground before him and begged for a little more more time. Please, please be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgive you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent the man to prison 
to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, the thing about our hearts is forgiveness can never be done in the mind. The reason why it can't be done in the mind, can't be a logical thing, it can't be a thinking thing, is because the pain started in the heart. And because the pain started in the heart, that means that that it's a heart thing. My second point, mercy made a way. Mercy made a way. Listen, we're not sons and daughters without repentance. We're not. The evil servant was never a son. And the reason why he wasn't a son is because he didn't know the depth of his sin. He didn't know how much he had been forgiven. Forgiving others really isn't possible unless we're living in light of God's forgiveness ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Here's the thing. When you forgive your offender, the spirit of God says to that person, come back to me. Forgiveness isn't based on the other person's attitude and behavior. Forgiveness is based on the fact that, God, I'm going to forgive this person based off of my relationship with you. Whether or not this person's attitude and behavior lines up, right? Because let's, be, let's just be real right now. Sometimes the people in our life that we love can continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is forgiveness. Our forgiveness, I can forgive you through the lens of God's forgiveness towards me. So whether you show me that you are sorry or not, or have asked for forgiveness, I can still release you based on the fact that God has given me the mercy and the grace that I, have, I don't deserve, I can give to you. Here's the thing about offenses, another thing. When you've suffered it, you don't get the proper, and, and you don't get the proper help or, or need from the Lord. You inevitably repeat the misuse of your hurt onto someone else. And you don't get to choose the misuse or the outcome that person does to someone else. You guys hear that? You ever hear, hear hurt people hurt people? Right? So if, if someone is an offender and they're causing hurt to a person and this person is, is, is hurt and, and, and experiences trauma from it, now they can turn around and cause hurt to the people that are closest to them, but they don't get to say on how that looks in the, those people's lives. It's just a repeated circle of trauma and hurt and hurt because of unforgiveness.
Remember the examples of sin in 1 Corinthians 6, 9? It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols, commit adultery, are male prostitutes, practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive, cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, verse 11, it says, some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. There's the answer. Calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God is where forgiveness starts. Forgiveness is a spiritual work that we can't obtain on our own. Without the Father's help, we can't do it. Why? Because it's the Father's love that empowers us to forgive. Without the Father's love, I can't love you the way you were created to be loved. Without the Father's love, I can't treat you, value you, honor you the way the Father does me. It is so important. It's imperative that I'm connected to the Father when it comes to my connection with you. It's so important that I'm connected to the Father so I can love the unlovable. Because I've been unlovable. It's so easy to see someone else in sin and say, yeah, mm-hmm, their sin, it's bad. It stinks. It's, it, it reeks. And not look at my own sin. Because what I'm doing in that moment is I'm minimizing my sin to maximize their sin. And now I'm becoming like the servant who went to his servant And completely forgot what the king did for him. The third point is, we mirror back what Christ did for us. We're learning about the empowerment of forgiveness here. The third point is, we mirror back what Christ did for us. Forgiveness is not a story that helps some people and not others. It's not a story to tell our loved ones when they've been hurt offended or betrayed forgiveness is real it's the heart of God it's a supernatural work that we can't do without God we need his forgiveness to forgive Ephesians 4 32 says instead be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When the gospel really takes root in us, it begins to work itself out through us. You guys, you guys hear that? When, when the gospel takes root in our hearts, when, when the gospel takes root in my heart, now it begins to work itself out through me. It's, it's a miracle. It's really a miracle. It's really a gift. Listen, forgiveness is a gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Forgiveness is a gift that we give and receive. We give and receive. We give and receive. That's why Jesus told Peter, no, no, not seven times, 70 times seven, baby. 70 times seven. Because God is showing Peter, this is my heart. We get, I give and you receive. I give and you receive. That's communion. Apart from God, we will never know his love. His love for us 
and his love for others. It will always be about pretending and it'll always be about performing. And what a prison to live in. Jesus doesn't want us to carry the burden of unforgiveness. He's compassionate about our hurts and he wants us to lay our burdens at his feet. And he's the only one that can carry out the perfect justice. Perfect justice. I have two quotes that I don't know the authors. <laughs> to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Forgiveness involves a heart that cancels the debt but does not lend new money until repentance occurs. Say it again. Forgiveness involves a heart that cancels the debt but does not lend new money until repentance occurs. See, the thing about forgiveness is it's costly. It's so costly. It means canceling a debt that we feel every right to demand payment on. Like, ooh, you hurt me, and you're going to pay. It means absorbing the pain and the hurt and the shame and the grief of someone's sin against us. It means longing for repentance and restoration. But this is exactly how God has acted towards us in Jesus Christ. And through the gospel, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the same towards others. Listen, forgiveness is, is, doesn't give the person who hurt you a pass. Please hear me. Forgiveness does not give the person who hurt you a pass. God is not expecting you to ignore your pain. He's not asking you to stuff it. He's not saying to you, get over it. Come on. How many of us have felt and heard, get over it, just get over it? That's not God and that's not his voice. No, Christ empowers us to release those who hurt us to him and with him. Listen, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Repentance and faith are a lifestyle. Okay? Listen, Christ forgives us and he reconciles us back to himself based on our repentance with him. As a child of God, we forgive those who offend us based on our relationship with the father, not on the behavior of the other person who hurt you. What I'm saying is, God, my forgiveness towards my offender is based on my relationship with you. And reconciliation is a process. You, you've learned boundaries, and they've been set. And I'm not obligated to trust you, but I choose to. If I choose to, it's going to take time. Trust is something different. You break trust, sorry. I forgive you, but I don't have to trust you. Boundaries are so important to empowering each other. Here's the thing, you know, with little children, we, we teach our children, if, if Sally hurts you, um, uh, go to Sally and you tell her, you, you hurt Sally, go to Sally and tell her you hurt you, you're sorry. And you ever see a child like, I ain't telling Sally I'm sorry, she hurt me. 
And you're like, no, no, go tell Sally you're sorry. <sighs> sorry, Sally. <laughs> what are we teaching? We're teaching that forgiveness is something that you do with your head and not with your heart. That child was not sorry. And they didn't mean it. And we take that same thing and we apply it as adults. Instead of saying as a child, like, baby, you, you hurt Sally. And the child's looking at Sally like, mm-hmm, whatever. You're like, no, look, she's crying. She's, look at Sally. She's crying. She's hurt. Then you see the child start to have compassion and empathy. And from that place, what would you like to tell Sally? I'm sorry. Good job. That's the same thing with us. We won't be a holy community God's called us to be if we harbor unforgiveness. He says he won't forgive us if we don't forgive them. Why does he say that? Because he's a father. And I just want us to know right now that we have a father. We have a holy father. We have a loving father. We have a forgiving father who is willing to give us what we need to do his good pleasure. We are not a fatherless generation. And so we don't have to keep repeating the same, the same trauma, the same hurt, the same betrayal. We don't have to keep repeating it over and over because we are not a fatherless generation. We have a father who loves us, a father who gave while we were still foes. His love fought for us. We have a father who is present, who if I call on him and ask for his mercy, he will dispense his mercy and his grace willingly because that's our father. Now, I know maybe your father's not showed you that. Maybe you've never had an, uh, 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 an illustration of what a father's love looks like. It's okay because we all have had that, right? We all have had that. But the truth is that we have a holy, good father and his nature, nature biblically is to show us his heart. And if we get his heart, we can love the unlovable. We can speak those things that are not as though they are. We can have the faith that God is going to turn the situation around in his timing, not in mine. So this morning, I just want to say, give grace to yourself. Give grace. Be, be patient with the process. Because God isn't demanding. He's not standing over you with the bat saying, you better forgive. That's not our father. He's saying, will you forgive? Look at what I've done for you. What I've done for you is I've given my only son to die on the cross for your sins that you would have life and life abundantly. Amen. Hear me. When you think you can't forgive someone because of what they did to you, you're essentially saying that that person's sin is greater than yours. When we embrace a gospel perspective on our own sin, we recognize as a sin debt, 
God has forgiven on our behalf is greater than any sin that has been committed against us. The Father can help you with that today. As I close, God is waiting. He, he's, he's, he's waiting to in, be invited into this process of forgiveness. Listen, this morning, I want you to hear, hear this. I want you to think of one person, one person you need to forgive or forgive deep, deeper. If you can't think of that person, then you can ask the Father. You can ask the Father to reveal that person to you. If you will only ask him, he will give it. We can't make this, we can't make this happen without his love. We can't be, I can't be a daughter without him. I, I, can't, I can't forgive those that have hurt me deeply without, without his love, without his grace, without his mercy. And so this morning, I just want you to know that the Lord's here. His mercy's here. If you can't find it in your heart to forgive someone or even ask the Father to forgive you, his mercy's here. If you'll ask him for it, if you'll ask him for the mercy, God, I need your mercy right now because I'm angry. I'm, I'm angry with you. I'm disappointed. I didn't sign up for this. This has been hard. No one cared. No one sees. But his presence is here. And so this morning, that process can start. This morning, the process of healing. This morning, the process of restoration and forgiveness can start. Listen, our families need the Father's love. I'm not supposed to see my loved ones as objects. I'm not supposed to see my, my children uh, or those that I love as objects because that's what we do when we think that we can't forgive somebody. We see them as an object. But the Father doesn't see us that way. He sees us as his own. And so he invites us to his presence and he invites us into this wonderful, miraculous work of seeing things the way that he does. I don't know about you, but sometimes we can say, you know what? I'm so jacked up. There's no hope for me. I got to keep pretending and I got to keep performing. And that's not the case. The power of God enables us to be free. The power of God enables us to get the healing, the deep healing that he wants to give us. But it's through Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to pray for you. Before I dismiss, before we dismiss, I want to pray for you. And I want to open up the altars because this thing is between you and the Lord. If we could all stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. 
God, thank you right now, Lord, for, for the message of empowerment. God, the message of your love that empowers us to forgive. Thank you that we can't do it alone. Thank you for the reminder today to your sons and daughters, Lord, that we need you. That we need you to love. That we need you to forgive. That we need you to have compassion. God, for those of us that don't have the compassion, we don't have the empathy, we're so hurt, we're so angry. God, I pray for, for, for us, for those, Lord, that just feel just enraged inside, God. You see the anger, you see the rage, you see the malice, God. And so, Lord, I pray for that soul, God. I pray, God, that you would touch them, that, God, that you would show them your love, that, God, you would give them your love, Father, so that way they could see, Jesus, that you have a great plan. You have a great purpose, God, and it's beyond what they're seeing right now, that there's a future and a hope with you, Jesus. God, you're a treasure. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that through this process of forgiveness, Lord, that we will see, we will see your forgiveness for us. And God, that we will receive it. In every marriage, God, where, where we can feel like we're right. I'm right, you're wrong. In every marriage right now, God, I pray that you would show every husband and wife that you're not done working that you're not finished. And God, that you're gonna show your son and your daughter how much you love them. And God, that your son and your daughter is gonna come to repentance. They're gonna see their sin. They're gonna see how their, their, their uh, need for you, God, is now. Not later, but now. God, I pray for every child and every and parents, God. You say that you will turn the hearts of the father to the children, Lord. And you say you will turn the children's heart to the father. And so, God, I pray right now that in every home that we would show value and honor. That we would begin to see each other, Lord, with purpose. God, with identity. God, I pray right now that we wouldn't succumb to the enemy's tactics. That we wouldn't give in to what he wants to do. He'll twist and turn and manipulate a situation so he can cause a wedge between us. But God, I thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be the family of God that you've said Lord and so Lord I pray right now that every family right now every stronghold would be broken in the name of Jesus God every family every husband and wife every child right now would receive the love of God in their hearts God and God that we would fight for one another God just as you have fought for us and God I pray that parents they wouldn't be on their kids back or in their faces but on their knees that parents would be on their knees for their children. That God, their prayer lives would grow. That they would speak what you say, God. That they would declare the word of the Lord. And God, I thank you, Lord God, for showing the, 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 the hurt to those that don't, don't know. Those that don't see it, God. Show, show us where the hurt's been. God, so we can take responsibility. So we can have compassion. That the issues we're seeing don't trump the, the, the connections that we need to have.
God of mercy, have mercy on us. God of mercy, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. We don't deserve your mercy, but God, right now, we call out for your mercy. We say, God, that we're not worthy of forgiveness. We're not worthy of mercy, but God, you've bestowed it upon us. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that our hearts, Lord, the hardened hearts, um, God, that you would begin to break up the fallow ground. Break it up. Break it up. Break it up. Let it fall to the ground, Lord. And God, I pray that we, I, we declared already that we all have new hearts. But God, I pray that during this transition of a new heart, God, that we are receiving what it is that you want to do. And you are taking away everything that you don't want. Hallelujah. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.